Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Five, four, three, two, one. Zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome back to Tennis Unfiltered, the day three Roland Garros edition. Uh, I have, I'm delighted to say, got George Belshaw with me this morning to look back uh, well, the first round as a whole, day three, uh, and to look ahead to uh, an intriguing set of second round matches that kick off in just a couple of hours. I'm afraid to say we haven't got Calvin this morning. That is because uh, Henry and Jules are in first round action in about an hour and three quarters time. So he has a few more responsibilities this morning than chatting nonsense to us. But but by the time you listen to this, that match probably will already have finished. But best of luck anyway to Henry and Jules in the second round. Um, because we have confidence that the first round they will see off with ease. Anyway, uh, let's crack on with me and George. Uh, George, obviously you've not had quite the same experience at the French Open as I have, but what would you say has been your sort of main takeaway from the first three days of, of Roland Garros? Um, that's a good question. I think there's probably a few kind of angles I, I'd look at for the tournament as a whole. So Djokovic, Alcaraz, both very good, solid starts. They're going to be the guys to beat, I think. Uh, obviously, in that half of the draw, nothing controversial in me saying that. Um, Medvedev going in the other half, I think, has really strengthened Holger Rune in this case. Um, you know, he's someone I thought had a really strong chance of reaching the final, but thought the match with Medvedev was a, a destined semi-final really and then Medvedev has obviously slipped up in quite spectacular fashion to uh, Saboth Wild yesterday um, on the women's side I think Sviantek felt like she's in good nick yesterday got a kind of second set bagel but I would always exact a, a note of caution with that that sometimes these injuries they can get you through the first few rounds and then 
once you're getting pushed a little bit harder, um, it, they can come come out to, to bite you. So I wouldn't necessarily say I'm 100% confident in her, but she, she couldn't have done more to make a statement. And similarly, Rybakina and Sabalenka feel strong as well. Sabalenka particularly, I thought that was a really tough first round match on paper against Kostyuk with a lot of kind of narrative around it. Um, so to come through as she did was was pretty encouraging. Um, and then my final takeaway, James, is that my fantasy team is really going to be disastrous. Um, <laughs> I've already lost Lajovic, Krachikova and Dzantek. Um So I'm feeling quite gloomy about it. So I'm hoping round two will treat me better and I can keep hold of my seven remaining players. But Runa DMC feels like it's in big trouble early on. Well, uh, I would like to gloat over you, but um, Hot Struff also in a bit of bother. Uh, we've also <laughs> lost three players, not least our captain, Jan Leonard Struff, uh, as well as Veronica Kudomatova and Elizabeth Mandlik, who managed to lose to a qualifier in the first round, frustratingly. So yeah. I'm only five points ahead of you at this point, and uh, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be close. My qualifier got through, which is my main like. My main excitement, yeah. but um, losing losing the play your team is named afterwards early is always really disappointing because they're there to remind you throughout the rest of the tournament how <laughs> yeah. bad they were. So I always try and pick someone I think will be like a bit of an outsider in my team, but will do well. So Runa felt the obvious pick for me for this one. Um, yeah, I have to say I think I you know I couldn't go back through them all, but I've got a pretty good record of my team name captain taking them to the quarterfinals right. at least so that's a good omen for Holger Runa who'll now probably lose second round I've said that well you can obviously check on your progress in our pinned tweet um, uh, we've got a four way tie at the top at the moment between Yanni97 Da Vinci the Eager Beavers which is a good pun and DD27 all all with full compliments um, uh, we were talking on Twitter myself and a couple of other people uh, hashtag FTU uh, about the best team names, I, I do like Eager Beavers. I've not seen that before. Um, the Struff Dreams are made of. There's quite a few good Jan Leonard Struff puns, which I think is good. James, I, I was once the Eager Beavers, so that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> and then the time I used it, there was someone else who's the Eager Beavers, and I think this Eager Beavers always plays under the same name. Ah, so I, I think, see. I think, okay. I think they're regular. Yeah. yeah, and the other regular I really like is Nobody Beats Features Garolitis 17 times in a row. <laughs> That's one of my favourite. Um, Panic at Vadasco, also very strong. Nice. Um, right, I mean, just to kind of pick up on a couple of things you said there. Interesting, the Holger Runus, Runa, I have to pronounce the E, we now know this, uh, stuff. He beat Christopher Eubanks yesterday uh, in four sets. I mean, Eubanks... Played some lights out tennis because he, he really did look like a man who just, you know, didn't, not didn't care, but he had a real uh, devil may care attitude. And yeah, he looked, he was swinging pretty freely. And I mean, that backhand at times is fabulous. But also, I think at one point someone said to me in the press box, Runa wants everyone to know that he's injured. And he, he had a bit of treatment on an ankle and he did at times look... I mean, I think he he looked like he got stronger as the match went on, but that I would definitely have a few fitness concerns. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's not got the worst draw in the world, um, but he looked pretty cooked in the Rome final. And, I, I mean, that was, you know, that was 10 days ago now, so maybe that's not that relevant. But I just, I would be slight... I would urge a notion of... A note of caution 
uh, on Runa's fitness, just having watched him yesterday. Um, sorry, George, you were going to say? I was going to say, yeah, I mean, the, the other factor, and this isn't just Runa, and it's probably worth already looking at the bottom half in the round, really, um, because it's really open. Like, there's, mm. it's already, you know, Medvedev not being there, Alcaraz and Djokovic ending in the same half of the draw. That, that's giving everyone in this half a real opportunity of for many of them reaching a first Grand Slam final. And I I do think as soon as a draw becomes like that, and for someone like Holger Rune, uh, who's not been that deep in a Grand Slam before, you know, I think not be on the quarters, you do suddenly have a bit of mental pressure to think, wow, this is my absolute opportunity here. I mean, if we talk about the names in this half of the draw, you know, in Zverev's section, who are you looking at? Borna Choric, the highest seed? You know, that that's not a guy who's been really, really deep in a slam. In the next section, you've got to think like Yannick Sinner's really fancying his chances. Zverev's there as well, but Zverev, you know, not quite there. Then you've got Kasper Ruud, who of course has been to the final before. He looks the kind of favourite to come through that section and then meet Runa in the quarterfinals. Or even Taylor Fritz has had a couple of decent results on the clay and, and more generally this year so you know but all those names Zverev aside really are guys who are quite inexperienced deep deep in slams and well, I, there's, I, I would, there's yeah, all rude as well I suppose but already in the bottom half I think there's only two Grand Slam finalists left yeah and that is Kasper Rude and Alexander Zverev who obviously like both lost Grand Slam finals and don't okay Kasper Rude's got two Grand Slam finals but you know, both have actually, e- even for Grand Slam finalists, have quite limited records deep in Slam. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think that is very open. Um, I just wanted to talk about Holger Runa's second round matchup because he's got Gael Monfils. It was the first mm. thing you asked me um, before we, we hit record on this call, George, is did I stay for Gael Monfils? I did stay for some of it. Um, the night sessions, as anyone who knows here, do go pretty late because they don't start very early. Uh, but that's a, a bone of contention. And he went five sets with Sebastian Baez, who Sebastian Baez is just destined to play, like, be the B-side in thrilling <laughs> five-setters, it seems, because he's a really good player. And, and, you know, it was raucous last night, and there were 15,000 people in. A lot of them stayed to the end, and they weren't interested in Sebastian Baez winning many points. I mean, missing a first serve was enough to get them excited, and and credit to him, he just served through the noise. Like we came home, uh, my flatmate and I, and got got back about midnight, and there was still twenty minutes left of the Monfils match, which we didn't realise. And he obviously was, I think, four love down in the in the final set, and he was fighting back, and we stuck it on. And I, I just couldn't believe what he was achieving because he was like, see, he was literally limping behind the baseline between points, like he's cramping to hell. I mean, there's the Runa Monfils will definitely be the night match on Thursday, and if he's recovered in any sort of way, like it'll be absolutely staggering. Hopefully, hopefully he'll be fit enough to give Runa a real go. But I am a bit worried that it might just be a bit of a walkover, sort of Murray Bautista Agut 2023 vibes. But fingers crossed. Yeah, I mean, even if Monfils was fully fit at this stage in his career, I'm. I wouldn't be giving him too too many chances against Runa, um, sure. you know, unless that injury is bad. And then you know the, the next match for Runa, if, if assuming he goes through, is going to be a qualifier. I mean that mm. 
that, that's a great section if you've got a fantasy pick there in Olivieri or Vassavori having a, a double. Oh, do you have that? Oh, you? yeah, I have Olivieri. Do you? Oh. Yeah. Unbelievable teams. I, I actually think he'll lose to Vavasori. Vavasori, by the way, beat Kekmanovic in five sets. Yeah. From two sets down, he won three consecutive tie breaks, uh, two of which went to, like, you know, extra points, as in past, like 10, past 8, and 11, 9. Yeah. Crazy. And he hit 101 winners in the match. Like, he's obviously the guy who beat Murray in Madrid as well, um, which I think came completely out of the blue. Like, it was one of the reasons it was quite such a bad result for Murray is that Vavasori had, like, no record of note. Like, that, there was no sort of little indicator that he might be capable of this. Um, I mean, Damien Kust, who's the challenger expert, may disagree with that. But, you know, the guy's 28, and I think this is his first time in the second round of a Grand Slam. It's not, yeah. it's not exactly promising. I mean, your, your guy came back as well, didn't he, in a five-setter? So that the two huge five-set qualifier wins to set up a chance to get into the third round of a slam doesn't get much better than that for the uh, kind no. of dogs. And also it doesn't get much better than that than for Holger Rune, who like yeah. is, <laughs> faces Gail Monfils, who basically doesn't have any legs left, and then a qualifier who's probably going to have played 10 sets in three days. Like, <laughs> he, he couldn't really pray for a much better draw, I think, but... It'll get tougher when he faces, you know, Taylor Fritz or, or Chirindolo, no doubt. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Daniil Medvedev losing. He was beaten in five sets by Thiago Saboth-Wild uh, in an absolute ding-dong match, really. Um, it, as always with Medvedev, it was wildly entertaining. Uh, there was a really good moment in the second set where he was discussing a mark with the umpire, I think, if I put it generously. And the crowd, obviously, it being Philippe Chartier, were booing. And he, he turned around to them and put his finger to his lips and said, shush, 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 no, I'm talking to her. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to her. And we can't have a conversation if you're booing. And she just had to, like, awkwardly stand there and wait while he had this argument with the crowd. Um, it was kind of fabulous. But um, the fifth set, I think there were four consecutive breaks of serve. Uh, and eventually, Thiago Saboth-Wild um, did triumph. Uh, I want to mention the, the elephant in the room straight away, which is that Thiago Saboth-Wild... Um, has previously and and well look I'd love to be able to tell you the exact status of the uh, domestic violence case against him but he wasn't able to clarify that uh, he was asked about it in press uh, and the the question was your um, you've been charged in June 2022 uh, for domestic and psychological violence against your ex-wife she's actually his ex-partner if they weren't married since then, nothing happened in terms of sentence. What do you expect to happen? I think he's awaiting sentence, as far as I can tell. But again, he said, I don't think it's a subject we should talk about it right here. I don't think it's a question you should be making to anybody. I don't think it comes to you to decide whether it's a place to be spoken of or not. He then said, you can write whatever you want, which is an incredibly dangerous thing to say. Um, <laughs> although I don't think it's legally binding, although we did discuss it. Um, George, we've obviously had some conversations about domestic violence on this podcast before, but... I think it's quite disappointing that, that we're not able to say this is what is going on with this. Mm. And I, I understand the situation that he doesn't want to talk about it, but, you know, equally, well, we're just waiting for the ATP to change their rules about this stuff, aren't we? Yeah, it's just... It's just hugely frustrating and very difficult. And, you know, I think we've spoken in the past about the ATP being stronger on on things like this but I, I do also accept they're in a slightly different 
difficult position where there's actual legal proceedings that are going on you know that does to a degree feel fair enough for them to let them kind of play out um mm. and yeah you know it's, it's a shame for him as well in some ways i know not a shame for him from the perspective of what he's done but it's a shame for him that this is the biggest moment of his career by a long way i mean he's never been to the the second round of a grand slam he's taking out the world number two and it, you know feels very awkward to kind of celebrate this guy when you've got this kind of thing hanging over it um mm. and, you know that that's that's fairly low down the pecking order in terms of you know if, if the allegations are true then yeah you know that, that that's fairly insignificant and he you know, deserves what he gets etc but you know it is it, it does just make everything very difficult for everyone involved in the sport not just trying to cover it but trying to kind of engage with it when you see so many guys at the minute um, also, you wouldn't get this kind of um, this this what's going on is is likely to, or, or what often happens in these cases. Here, I'll talk about it in general terms. Lawyers will do something called distancing, which is basically where you kick the can as far down the road as possible in the hope that if you do end up in front of a jury, that they're, they're a bit more removed from the case. And and with high profile cases, it, it's quite a common tactic, um, just to sort of try and reduce the amount the jury might be you know, prejudiced. Uh, obviously, you try not to have a prejudice jury at all, but like I said, this is something that does happen. Um, yeah, and it, as you say, it's a shame. It was a fabulous match, and Ding Dong and like Chatrier loved it. And it is a shame not not to kind of be able to stand up here and go, "Whoa, what a rising star! Someone from Brazil!" You know, we're crying out for a Brazilian star. It's a huge market. We always talk about one time a Masters event in South America, and and yet we sort of can't because, yeah, as you say. Um, the ATP rules will change, right, in 2026, I think, because the, there's an agreement that was signed up to, and obviously when you have things like, you know, it's a, it's effectively working conditions, um, then you have to abide by contracts and you can only change them when they expire. Um, but I think that will have some clauses in it about domestic violence, uh, you know, in a, probably in any other sort of um, job, like in football it happens, you would be suspended on full pay. Uh, it's difficult in tennis because what is full pay but a, a sensible agreement will say you're suspended and we'll pay you you know whatever your prize money was over the last 12 months for the next 12 months or, or something but I don't know it you know like maternity pay which obviously is nowhere near that in fairness to maternity yeah. pay is a disgrace but um yeah I, I it's not not a great situation um let, let's move on shall we uh maybe to the women's draw uh, well, because I don't Oh, sorry. Perhaps just in this section, there are a couple of losses as well to just quickly cast over. I mean, big shame for Draper, and obviously from a, a personal perspective, I'm very sad to see Dominic Team go out when it looked like he he was starting to um, produce a rousing comeback, only to fall in the fifth. But. Yeah, a mini, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a mini sort of uh, section of woe there. Draper, Team, and Borna Chorich. I mean, Borna Chorich is obviously back on the way up, but. Like, there's so many injury uh, woes in that particular little section. Yeah, I, I mentioned Draper on yesterday's diary, but yeah, it doesn't get any less sad. The other player is Ogier Eliassim, I suppose, who went out. Yeah, I, I mean, it's funny, really. Um, the, the women's draw, I think 16 seeds or 14 seeds have gone out already, um, and it's nowhere near that in the men's. There's, I think there's only eight. But yeah, I mean, another day. I mean, it's interesting, Felix kind of not excused himself but he said look I I got ill the night before the match 
and that did affect me. And he said it happened to him in Lyon as well. He got ill just the night before. So, you know, he said, I wonder if there's something going on there and I need to find out. And he's going to have a whole load of tests and, yeah, see if he can work out what's going on. He had a bit of a shoulder complaint as well, which he says he's been managing for a while. So clearly not fully fit and sounds like he hasn't been fully fit for some time. So with the grass coming up, where we, we think Felix could be really effective, um, not not great news. But, I mean, great news for Fabio Fanini, who I think is the second oldest man in the draw. Um, do you know who the, the oldest man in the draw is, George? You'll kick yourself. Um, not Novak, is it? No, Novak's the third oldest, but Stan Vavrinka is the oh, oldest Vavrinka. man in the draw. Yeah, Vavrinka. I mean, yeah, I, I told you you'd kick yourself. Um, but yeah, good. Good. They all made it through to the second round, so yeah. good for Old the oldies. Yeah. And Who check, needs Panini playing Kubler next? He fancies chances of a real swan song here in uh, in Paris. So. And and who who would disagree that that's a good thing? Um, right. Let, let's go to the women's draw because uh, well because eventually we have to. Um, as I say, there's a whole load of seeds out here of the bottom. Uh, eight seeds, only two remain. Uh, I, I'm going to run you through the names, George, and I want you to pick the one you're most surprised by. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shelby Rogers, Marie Buzkova, Serana Castella, Shang Shui, Martina Trevisan, Annalena Kalanina, Magdalenetti, Victoria Azarenka, Karolina Pliskova, Barbara Kochikova, Belinda Bencic, Veronica Kunamatova, Petra Kvitova, and Maria Sakari. Pick your big shock. I'm probably going to be very rude and say I'm not that surprised by anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd say probably the one I'm most surprised about, given who they were playing, is. I mean, it's hard. I'm not surprised like Zhang Shui lost, but kind of losing to Magdalena Fretch, you know, was. That's not someone I would be picking to. No. Bump their way through. I mean,. Castella is normally fairly solid at slams, and she lost to Paolini. She um, said she was ill as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, everyone's, I don't know if there's something going around, but I mean, look, but Azarenka's lost to Andrescu. That's like a horrible draw. Similarly, like Pliskova's lost to Sloane Stevens. You know, you just never know which Sloane Stevens is going to turn up. Sakari's yeah. lost to Mukova, who you picked out, didn't you, on the pod mm. last week? Saying as I think, to be fair, did lots of people apparently. Yeah. I was. I tried to sort of crow on Twitter about having picked the number eight seed to lose in the first round. Everyone said, "Well, it was obvious. It was obvious in the end." <laughs> like, everyone's a bloody expert on Twitter. I mean, well, I tell you the. Sorry. A bit of a maybe as well. Well, I mean, is that ever a shock? I don't know. Um, the one I picked out, I thought was actually the big shock, is actually Angelina Kalanina. Um, now she may not be fully fit, but she is a very tricky player. Uh, on the clay and obviously reached a final in Rome where she pulled out injured I think she was reasonably fit I didn't think she was that um, troubled but Diane Parry beat her who the French wildcard who beat Krajikova last year in the first round who was injured in Venice uh, but the reason it's interesting is Diane Parry has a one-handed backhand great and she now plays Mira Andreva in the second round Mira Andreva is just turned 16 about a month ago. She beat Alison Risk Armitage yesterday, 6-2-6-1. I mean, she absolutely blew her away. I know Alison Risk is not, you know, the best singles player in the world, but it, she, she is a proper player. 
and Andreva uh, on main draw Grand Slam debut just looked a million dollars. And George, <laughs> here's one that will amuse you. You will remember that she said in Madrid where she reached the fourth round that Andy Murray is one of her heroes. She said afterwards that she's been texting Andy Murray uh, <laughs> and messaged him when he won the challenger and said... Has he been replying? Yeah, yeah, he has. Uh, she said, congrats on winning the challenger. And he said, thanks very much and good luck at Roland Garros. And she said, maybe that's why I'm playing so well. So um, it's got Laura Robson, Marit Safin vibes, if you remember that sort mm. of uh, particular uh, interaction. I've, I've just realised as well that thinking about the list of players who've been the biggest shock. I mean, the, the, I probably left out the two biggest ones there. I mean, Benchic lost to a lucky loser. I mean, that's a, a big surprise. Yeah, but ben, Benchic isn't fit, I think. She's had a hip problem. She missed Rome and Madrid, so the, that probably explains that. But Krachikova as well. I mean, that's someone we thought would yeah. potentially do well. I mean, she's not had a great clay season, which has surprised me. But I, I did stick by her thinking, oh, we find I mean, Serenko's not a bad player, but... I was still hmm. disappointed by that result. It wasn't particularly close. Yeah. You mentioned Andrescu, uh, and it was a great match against Azarenka, finishing relatively late yesterday uh, in three sets. She she held her nerve in, I think she needed five match points to get over the line. She was 40-love up and blew it, but then eventually did get over the line. Um, how significant a win is that for Bianca Andrescu, who has very limited experience on the clay? Yeah, it's it's a good win. I mean... I, I'm I'm reticent. I think I, I barred myself from ever getting excited about Andreescu getting back to her best after she then kind of rolled her ankle after her last set of good results earlier this year. Um, she she's a she's the sort of player who should be excellent on every surface. I mean, she's got everything in her game. Like I, I almost don't read too much into the fact she's not been past the second round of the French Open or Wimbledon in the sense of. As you say, she's got limited experience playing there, and a lot of that is due to a lot of injuries or not kind of being at a physical peak and confidence peak coming into those tournaments. I mean, I've seen her play well on the clay before. Not seen her play so well on the grass, but she does have a game that is is built for anything. She's got a great touch. She's got great feel. She's a smart player. Um, yeah, I I don't want to say I think she can go all the way and win this or anything but she she is capable of doing great things again if she can just get her body right i think there's no question about that and she's someone who in a bit of an era where we've got some flackers in rubakina and sabalenka if she were able to get back to close to what she was when she was winning the us open that would bring a real kind of a good contrast to that group of top players at the minute um and you know i think she's an interesting character as well quite quite punchy in her own way um but also very kind of meditative and uh yeah i think you know definitely someone i kind of like team i'm actively hoping does get back to their best because i enjoy watching them um but whether they do or not is a bigger question i'd certainly back on Dresco to do that more than i would team at this stage <laughs> yeah i think i'd probably agree with you there um let, let's turn our minds forwards if we can do an about turn and, and look into the second round um, we've got half of the second round today on Wednesday, the other half on Thursday, of course. We're into a nice rhythm now after the slight confusion that is the first three days of the French Open. Novak Djokovic plays his first night session today against Martin Fuchsovitz. Cam Norrie is the last British uh, man standing in the singles. He takes on 
Lucas Puy, which, George, I was wondering, you you probably were at uh, Norrie versus Puy on Chatrier back in 2018, were you? Or maybe you weren't, I'm not sure. Um, you don't look like you remember it. But it was a second round match and Puy won in four sets. So um, the doesn't feel like that's going to happen this time. But but great for Lucas Puy to be back, you know, winning matches. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I don't, I don't feel Norrie's quite in his strongest moment at the minute. I mean, I couldn't really believe Benoit Pair took him to mm. five sets in round one. I mean, you do have a French tax here in terms of the crowd really getting behind them and making it interesting. But Norrie, okay, look, he got through the match, so it's not one to kind of beat him with. But Norrie is normally relatively professional at kind of seeing some of this stuff up and kind of doesn't take that that sort of thing too badly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Pui the guy who's very talented he's been high in the world he's done well in grand slams before but he's another one who's had huge injury problems had huge confidence problems and not really one i'm expecting cam to have huge problems with but as i say the caveat is cam's not we not quite where he was back in february when he kind of was winning those two clay court or winning one clay court title reaching the final of another um, mm. So, mm. Yeah, might not be the worst moment to catch him and a French crowd you know that you don't really want that back to back French crowd matches in your first two rounds. well you say that but you know Cam yesterday or it was a couple of days ago but the quotes came out yesterday talked about his sort of spat with Djokovic we, we hadn't seen him since Rome yeah. and so we asked him about it and probably expecting a bit of a flat bat and he said well look I, I don't think I was that Larry um, I didn't see him. I didn't try and hit him. Oh, and by the way, he was 13 minutes late for the match and he never said a word about it and didn't say sorry. Um, <laughs> which, needless to say, I've had a lot of people, quote, in my mentions for deigning to ask the... Well, I didn't ask the question. Someone else did. But apparently we shouldn't even have asked him about a tournament that happened in another country a week ago. Um <laughs> Apparently that was that was wrong. So I apologise for breaking the journalism code of ethics by asking about things that have already happened. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, he, I think he haven't happened yet. I think. <laughs> sorry. Yes, I think he quite likes it. He really, I think he really enjoyed having Benoit Pair and ten thousand people against him. Like he's obviously been through the college system where that's pretty normal to have rowdy partisan crowds, and I. I I think there's a little bit of a shit house developing there. Um, I, I, a listener, I, I won't name the listener, said to me the other day that is shit house your f- any any podcast with the word shit house in it, I'm in favour of, um, and I think uh, we could rename it. Uh, I think Cam Norrie is developing those qualities, and he does it quite well. If, if we're renaming it, what are we saying? Tennis on shit house or shit house on? <laughs> we just call it the shit house. The shit house. Um, I think that would suit. Yeah, I, I think he'll really, I think he'll really relish that. Um, speaking of uh, Larry matches, Stan Wawrinka Tanasi Kokinakis. I mean, uh, obviously, for people who don't know the story, I, I linked to it in my newsletter this morning, which you can sign up for uh, iNews.co.uk. Uh, but last year. Basically, uh, there was a confrontation between Stan Wawrinka, this is reported in the Daily Mail Australia, a confrontation between Nick Kyrgios and Stan Wawrinka in the locker room after a match in which Kyrgios had said, 
I'm sorry to tell you this. Oh, that's my phone going off. That's unprofessional, isn't it? Uh, I'm sorry to tell you this, but Kokonaki's banged your girlfriend, um, which Vavrinka described as something, the lowest thing you can say, which it's not quite the lowest thing you can say, but it's not far off. Um, so Kokonaki's wasn't actually involved, but his name was involved, and now they're going to play each other. In in Even from a tennis perspective, this is a very interesting match, but from a non-tennis perspective, it's even more interesting. Yeah, that, I think it, it's going to be a, a decent match. I mean, that feels bloody years ago. That what, what year did you say that happened? I mean, that must have been. Well, yeah, five, 2015, ago, I think. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I mean, obviously at the time that was quite a big story. I, I'd be kind of surprised if it was still bubbling under the surface now, but you never know. You never um, know, George. You never you know. Never know. I quite... Um, in terms of other kind of shit houses kicking around in the second house, I think Quarantine Mute is all, all, always worth a little watch. He plays Andre Rublev. He's quite a funny player as a whole, but he's also uh, not afraid of really getting under under the skin of people. So uh, with the and they're playing they're fun. playing on Simon Mathieu as well, which is the weird jungle greenhouse court. court. And the top tier of Simon Mathieu is unticketed. So yeah. if you've got a ground pass and you queue, you can get in there and it tends to make it pretty rowdy. And as you say, Mute likes rounding people up at the best of, uh, like winding people up at the best of times. Andre Rublev could start an argument in an empty room because he likes arguing with himself. <laughs> I think Mute, uh, if he doesn't get him to rant like four or five times in the match, he'll be disappointed in himself. And I think there's a little upset potentially on the cards there. Um, are there any other second round matches you wanted to kind of go ooh to George, or, or is is that your lot? I, mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule out Sissipas having a couple of problems with Carbias Bayena. Um, yeah, I think that's that's not a straightforward match. Um, I mean, Sonego Humber is not a bad kind of unseeded um, clay court little clash. I'd be interested. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, Fuksovic over the years has been a bit of a a tough early Grand Slam draw. Um, I I can't see anything like what happened to Medvedev yesterday, but I think that's a good early test of Djokovic's condition, both physically and mentally. And Fuksovic couldn't—he has a good day, and he, you know, those good days are maybe fewer and far further between now. Um, but he'll be up for that, and that that, that could mm. be a, a decent one. And you know, Taro Daniel has surprised us over the years i find it highly unlikely he'll do the same again to carlos alcaraz but he is a name who has cropped up over the years just with them he's the sort of player you don't think anything of in the nicest i mean that in the nicest way possible because he's obviously mm. a very talented sportsman but you know at this at this level you sort of think ah oh, first round match second round match against tari daniel no problem and actually he has he has uh thrown that back in our faces a few times over the years so again not calling the upset but um Careful what you wish for, I suppose, Carl. Okay. Um, in the women's draw, my uh, just a couple that I wanted to kind of flag: uh, Diane Schneider against Beatrice Haddad Meyer. Obviously, Haddad Meyer's had a really good twelve months, but so has Schneider, and is a real up and comer. I don't think she's physical enough to to compete on the clay at the highest level, but she's a great shot maker and a brilliant competitor. I think that'll be an interesting one. Um, in the same section, Rybakina against Linda Noskova, who's a junior Grand Slam champion here and is one of the, the many rising checks, of which Rybakina has already put away one in Brenda Fervatova. But, um, Those yeah, are, uh, they're tomorrow, aren't they, I think? I think so, yeah. Uh, I'm not, uh, today, there's not 
I mean, well, it's not loads. Is probably worth a, a little mention. I mean, that was yeah. a great role. played really well and nice to see yeah. both her and Monfils. I think I think yeah, yeah. that was his first win as a dad as well yesterday. Uh, it might well be. He doesn't win many tennis matches. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's certainly true. But yeah, Svitolina's got Storm Hunter, which you know, with, with the greatest respect, I think she'll fancy uh, as an opportunity to to make it to the third round. Probably the best match on paper today is um, Bondrasova Kasatkina. That that could mm. be a pretty pretty good um, thing. I, I've got Bondrasova in my fantasy team, which means she'll almost certainly lose. <laughs> and, and, and Podoroska's done well here in the past as well. That famous run to the quarters. She takes on your um, your player Mukova. So mm, mm. yeah, that's de- that's definitely got some got some legs to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that. Many of these will have already happened by the time you hear this, but hopefully it'll be a, uh, a reminder to go back and watch them or keep an eye on their results. Um, George, thank you very much for joining me before work. Um, very impressive very time management. You're very committed indeed. Um, thanks very much for coming and listening. You can of course follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. Find me on there as well. Find George on there. Um, most importantly, though, please do come back next time. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.